Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Rays win, lightning win. What a day in sports if you're in Tampa Bay. Opening day, of course, for the Rays. They shut out the Tigers 4 to nothing behind Shane McClanahan. And then, just for a little nightcap action... How about your Tampa Bay Lightning going out there and doing the Washington Capitals 5-1 to one in a very dominating fashion as well? Steve, I guess you'd have to chart. I mean, this is opening day, right? And there's always a lot of anticipation and obviously a sellout and a lot of pomp and circumstance and stuff that goes with that. The Lightning are at the end of their season but starting to play really, really well against good teams. There's not many days that top this in sports, I don't think. Uh, no, it was a good day, and and if you tried to do the doubleheader, the Rays game and the Lightning game, Rays cooperated with a two-hour and fourteen-minute opening day game. Phenomenal! How about Phenomenal. that? Phenomenal! Can I can I tell you, it's the first game I've watched, first pitch to last, with the new uh, pitch clock. If even if you don't love baseball, right, you only have to commit less than you know. Well, in this case, two fifteen, but but let's say two and a half hours or so. It is fast-paced. Uh, the hitters are swing are in more of a swing mode, I think, as a result of that because um, they can find themselves in a hole very quickly. The ball is in play. I like not having a shift, um, you know, it, and it's going to help left-handed batters, obviously, to about 25 points on their average. Everything I saw in this game was pleasing to the eye to me. You know, could there have been, you know, more runs perhaps, um, maybe maybe more stolen bases, like that sort of thing. But you had great defense. You, you you pretty much had everything that the Rays are about, starting with the starting pitching. I mean, Shane McClanahan was dominant. You know what's funny about that? So he allowed only four hits, and um, he struck out six and walked one. I didn't think his command was that great. Like, I've seen him, you know, have more strike throwing than he did, mm-hmm. but he was still almost just as unhittable. Only the third pitcher in club history to toss six or more scoreless innings on opening day. Wow. Can you name Wait, the other two? Let's, let, okay. I think one was in the stadium. Am I right? Yes. Was one in the stadium? Yes. On Sunday? Okay. Big game, James Shield. Nope. Or as we called him, no. Nope. No? Nope. Wow. Wow. So, so it would be somebody... On the staff, perhaps? Yes. All right. Um, hmm. Tyler Glasnow. Correct. It's two years or last okay. year at Miami. It's six no six wow. scoreless innings to open the season okay. in Miami. Gosh, who would, the, who would the third? David Price for giggles. I don't know. Nope. You're going way before then. Okay. Steve Traxel. Steve Traxel, one of the first raised pitchers that they had. Seven innings, the seven scoreless team. innings on April 3rd of 2000 at Minnesota. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a trivia thing that would have stood for, for a long time before I got to Steve Traxel, man. <laughs> Holy cow. He'd have been going through uh, Archer and yeah, Garza. All those guys. And, you know. Garza, yeah. Uh, Blake Snell. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. You know, tons of good pitchers, but yeah, well. Well, nothing against Traxel, but 
holy cow. But yeah, it was it was dominant, but not in a way that, you know, he had some some misses arm side and, you know, a little lack of command at times, but still no one could touch him. And, you know, you just saw him come out and, and, and mow people down. Now, I don't know how, listen, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how good the Tigers are. I know that, you know, Miggy's batting seventh, now he's 40 years old, right, Miguel Cabrera. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's six headers better in that lineup, even though he's a DH, I, I'm not sure I was convinced of it, you know, on opening day. But it doesn't matter. It's a major league team. Um, you want to get off to a good start. And the other things that they showed I thought were very promising, right? And that is you got some you got some big flies, okay? Um, and the right guys showed up at the right moments, you know? You, you, want, you want your A players to play A ball and, uh, you know, class, not class A ball, but, you know, A-plus performances. Wander Franco, opening day home run. You'll take that. Um, I got it started. Who else? The center fielder hit a home run, right? Yeah, Jose Siri making his first yeah. opening day start. Uh, goes yep. one for three Fantastic. with a home run. That was great. A Rosarina with an RBI. Yep. Single. Big I mean, RBI you know, hit. Yeah, you got you got the guys you needed. Luke Raley. Yeah. Got an RBI yeah, single really. as well. Pinch hit single. And that was one where had you had the shift, he's going to hit into a double play because mm-hmm. – You'd have had probably an extra infielder on that side, and that second baseman probably would have been a little closer to the middle of the field than he was. Um, and I love the fact that there's no shifts. I'm really, really kind of digging that a lot. And then the play of the day, you know, with a 3 nothing lead, you think, okay, well, things are pretty comfortable here until there's a slicer down the left field line with two on, and it's going to score both runs with two out until Manuel Margot makes a diving catch, one of the best you'll see uh, on the highlights for sure. And that's what this team is all about, right? Pitching, defense. The bullpen came in, locked everybody up, um, and you know they get their first win. And, and I don't know that you could have scripted it much better. Maybe a little more offense, maybe a few more hits, um, that sort of thing. But uh, it was a it was a good, entertaining game. <laughs> Two hours and fifteen minutes, man. That was great. One thing McClanahan said, and and he's got to realize this is you know game one of what you hope is 30 starts or so for him. But he made 79 pitches. And, you know, Kevin Cash had to go up and make sure that he was okay to go back out in the sixth because, frankly, you know, with the pitch count being up, they could have taken him out before that. What I love about McClanahan is you have to wrestle the ball out of his hand. He was like, I told him I felt great, but in some stronger words. (laughs) And it's like, Shane, we know you feel great. It's opening day. Presumably, you're never going to feel as good as you do right now. Hand me the baseball if I ask for it, please. Right? We're trying to keep you uh, keep you our ace for the entire game. And there was a point last year, if you remember, he looked like he had a little arm fatigue, you know, saw some velocity drop. But then he got kind of, you know, I think they managed his innings a little bit there in the middle, and, and he got his second win and finished up strong. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he wanted to go out there and throw nine or something. But, um, but really, really good stuff. I mean, you know, you got a left-hander comes out there and throws 90, Pretty much command on the on the slider, the change up, the curveball, like all of that working. Um, it was pretty awesome, and and I thought they did a good job. You know, the pregame um, was was fun. They had uh, Belinda Womack, who, who was the first singer of the national anthem, twenty five years earlier, right, was there to sing the national anthem. Big um, game, James. We mentioned throwing out the first pitch. So Rays do a good job with that, and um, it was cool. It was really cool. 
Uh, before we get to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and of course they're going to go 162-0, and as you guys know, and Wander Franco is going to hit 162 home runs. By the way, speaking of home runs, did you, you see what your boy Aaron Judge did? First pitch of the season. Yeah, he was the first <laughs> home run of the season. First, on the first pitch of the yeah. Yankees that the Yankees saw, he let off. That is high. That is far. That is gone. Here comes the judge. All rise. Now, now, but for the ultimate trivia question for this year, who was okay. the first pitcher to get a pitch clock violation against them? Ooh. 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 Pitch clock violation. Um, Blake Snell. I don't know. Now, Marcus Stroman. Now pitching for the Cubs, of course. But he was the first so pitcher the, the to get a uh, ran out. Yes, or? yeah. I, I didn't see it. I just saw the tweets as it was happening. That uh, okay. The first one of the season, which means the first one ever in Major League Baseball. Very interesting. You know, I learned something about uh, the new rules. Like there was this one play, and it looked for all the world like the Rays were maybe offsides. And here's the thing, right? You can't. You have to have both feet on the infield, and you have to be on your side of second base, right? Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. straddle the bag. You can't have one foot, you know, equal to the bag. And there was a time where I thought the Rays were in violation of that, but um, you only have, I think, 15 seconds to review or ask for a review. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was reviewable. It's interesting. A shift or a shift violation is reviewable. Now, if if you do challenge it and you're wrong, then depending on whether, you're, you know, you're in, I mean, obviously you're at bad, so it's a strike. Um, there's a penalty for that. It's not an out, but it's a strike. So I thought that was interesting. But there there was one play where I thought the Rays were like, mm-hmm. like you guys are cheating just a little bit here. Or you're right up against it anyway. But they managed to get away with it. So it was cool. But, yeah, man, I sat here and watched the game with my yeah. son on uh, on television, and I'm here to tell you, we were both looking at the clock, looking at the clock, looking at the clock. We can't believe how fast this game is going. Mm-hmm. And it was over in 2.15. We're like, this is the coolest thing in the world because, you know, if – First of all, the game moved along well, but also, you know, some people say, I don't have three and a half, four hours to devote to baseball, you know? I can watch a hockey game in two and a half. I can watch, you know, various sports, but baseball moves too slow for me, you know? And this moved fast, and it was entertaining, and and there was just no downtime at all. It was great. That was great. I love it. There was also a violation today. I don't know if you knew this, but Pete Alonso got called for a pitch clock violation. He got called because, yeah, I saw this one. So he, there was a foul ball, I want to say, mm-hmm. and he did not get back to first base fast enough, and they called a violation on him and gave the hitter a strike. Because the hitter wasn't ready and alert to the, with eight seconds on the clock because Alonzo wasn't back yet. Yeah, and he was he was walking very yeah. slow. Yes. Like not even a Sunday stroll. Like he was going really slow. And that's one I didn't think where your base runner can hang up your batter, which penalizes your team. Yeah. So everybody's got to move, man. Everybody's got to be hustling. So not just Kevin Kiermaier, but everybody. That was cool. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, We'll get to the Tampa Bay Lightning here in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you guys how to save money on your electric bill. You know it. You love it. You can't live without it. Go get it. May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems in this area for 13 years. There's other companies out there. But I'm here to tell you to trust May Electric Solar. They're committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call 
the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all of its products. They conduct on-site testing. They can tailor it to your needs, and you can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So all those guys installing those panels up there, those are Billy May's guys, and you know they're doing the job well. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. Through every season, that's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Hey, just a, a couple minutes before we get to the Tampa Bay Lightning's win over Washington. Mark Tompkins wrote this story, uh, and, and very often on opening day, it's maybe one of the few times during the year he has a chance to talk with Ray's principal owner, Stuart Sternberg, and did so prior to the game. And what he said, you know, every year it's about, you know, well, we need a stadium. There's no progress. We don't know what's happening. We're still looking, you know, of course, a couple of years ago, they had the unveiling of the great, you know, split season in Montreal that went over like a lead balloon. But um, he did have an occasion to talk to Stu, um, you know, again, on opening day. And what he said this time was very interesting. He said that the talks continue, of course, for a new stadium in both St. Petersburg and with Tampa officials. Mm-hmm. And here's the kicker. He expects a deal to be struck somewhere by the end of the year. Now, you ask yourself, well, what if he's wrong? Because <laughs> we ain't seen no deal yet, right? And they've been talking about this for a very long time. If it's a hard deadline, that means they could be on the move because – yeah, you know, their lease expires after 2027. And you've got Orlando and Nashville and Vegas among many options there uh, for them. But uh, he said, when asked if he's increasingly optimistic, Sternberg said absolutely about a resolution in the Tampa Bay area. Doesn't know exactly where it's going to be, but I think the leader in the clubhouse, if, if, if you had to sort of handicap it, is going to be the 86-acre Tropicana field site because um, the Rays have partnered with Heinz Global Development Firm. They won the right to redevelop that uh, gas plant district with a new stadium as a centerpiece, and funding would come you know, from a partnership with the team, the city, and Pinellas County. They're still talking to Tampa officials, um, but at this point, you know, even Sternberg sort of indicated that St. Pete is ahead, um, but there's so many moving parts that, you know, and, and billions of dollars at stake for development that you really can't, you know, declare a winner just yet um, because they're still talking to people on the Hillsborough side of things. But all of it is is progressing. And I really do believe, like, this is the first time that they have sounded this optimistic. You said that they're, mm-hmm. they're very excited. Um, they're looking towards getting it built, obviously. And I think this development thing was a big step. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, there's not a lot of options on the Tampa side. No. And and the finances get stickier there, too. Yes. Which is why, I don't want to say they're settling in St. Pete. But in order for St. Pete to work, it's got to be a whole district, kind of like the Battery in Atlanta and others have Correct. Done. You know, it can't just be the stadium alone. Because the revenues will be uh, also recognized by the Rays through the development of all those properties. Correct. Now and not just attendance. The Tampa side, and then the if we don't have a deal by the end of the year, there's there's not a deal to be done. Basically, yeah. The question yeah. is, is that I mean, are they talking to Tampa? Yes. 
is that a negotiating tactic because you get your best deal when there's other options? Or is it is it truly a – I mean, I think the Rays are set on it's going to be in St. Petersburg. That's what I think. Yeah. I, I, but, I, I mean, until a deal is done, it's not done. That's correct. So, of course, so they're talking to Tampa. and declare a winner? And, yeah. and they're putting a deadline of the end of the year on it. But they kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, I mean 2027. I mean, by the end of the year, you have you, a solution. You're, you're four years from needing to be in a new stadium. Right, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Or finding a temporary stadium, depending on whatever you're going to do. Yeah, your lease is up in 27. It takes yeah. usually at least three years to build a stadium. Sure. And that's the building of it. That's, that's not the designing. You, that's and after the, you break ground, yeah. And, and all the other stuff that may go into it ahead of time from public works stuff and, and infrastructure stuff around permits, it and stuff like and all, that. Yeah. Well, permits, but mm-hmm. even sometimes there's work for, for the city has to do for water lines and Or you run into environmental issues and yeah, all that. absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there kind of is a deadline for the end. To be honest, I thought the deadline was probably sooner than that, but... Yeah, you know they're working towards it, and 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 if it's going on the same site, the good thing is, is if you end up with delays, you still have a stadium there to play with in twenty twenty eight. If you had to, not ideal, but if things fall behind schedule, whatever else, it's not like you've moved cities, moved locations. They're not going to tear right. down the trop until the new baseball stadium's ready. That's right, and that that's sort of what they did with um, you know Raymond James Stadium and mm-hmm. the old the old sombrero uh, yep. was there on the on the you know what is now the south parking mm-hmm. area, and they built Raymond James in the north parking area. And when you know before mm-hmm. they you know and then eventually once Raymond James was built, they knocked it down, and that's now all parking. So you can do it that way. It is done that way. Uh, been done that way many places. Yeah, I mean, you, I think of you know uh, Comiskey Park and. Sure, uh, Cincinnati Riverfront Stadium. They built the stadium. They actually cut out a a notch of the state, part of the stadium, to build Great American Ballpark because mm-hmm. there wasn't mm-hmm. enough room to squeeze it in. It was that tight. They actually had to cut out part of the outfield bleacher or the stands and that just to make the stadium fit. Um, yeah. Things like that. So yeah, I mean, you know, but look, I still have said and I, you know, maintain that no news is fairly good news. At this point, I yeah. mean, you know, sides aren't contentious with each other publicly. Uh, there's there's negotiations going on and, and all that behind the scenes, but you're not seeing people come out in the public and whether it's the government from either St. Pete or Tampa or Pinellas County, Hillsborough County or the Rays, you know, demanding things and that. I mean, it's all being worked on, which I believe is a good thing. I mean, but until the deal's done, it's not done, but. You know, usually these things get ugly and then get uglier and then even uglier before they get done. Yeah. This seems to be I, going I, relatively smoothly, at least publicly. Right. I think with them, you know, being awarded um, the development, uh, the raise mm-hmm. group, I, I think they see a way forward financing it. You know, that's always the biggest question, right? It's like everybody wants to raise here. Everybody wants a new stadium. We want the nicest stadium money can buy. Who's paying for it? Mm-hmm. But once they were able to get the bid to to partner, they picked them to partner with Himes Global Development, um, and you know they're going to share in that in in in, in many different ways. I, I think they see you know a, a way of of financing working here with it, um, because even if you don't you know not dependent one hundred percent on tickets, and you know we know St. Petersburg has its own problems geographically, and but St. Pete isn't St. Pete anymore. You know, and that area is growing, and the whole mm-hmm. Tampa Bay area is growing, and especially downtown. And there's 
residence now springing up everywhere and, you know, million dollar condos and everything else. So, you know, it's not the sleepy little town that they built, you know, the Thunderdome back in the day, 10 years before the Rays played. I mean, it's not that place anymore. So, yes, is they if they could see a way through the development and a way to finance it, that's the biggest thing. So I do think St. Pete has an edge. Um, I think it'd be cool, you know, to put it in Tampa. There's lots of places over there that would work, in my mind. But um, but it was good for a change to hear the optimism because we've, we've seen these stories a lot on opening day. And this one seemed to be both two things. One, the most optimistic, and two, seemed to have the hardest out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is this is when it has to happen or we can't do it here, you know. So you can take it as, as ever you want it, I suppose. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so the Tampa Bay Lightning, also not just, uh, what, an hour or so? I mean, what, how much lag time was there between the Rays winning and then the Lightning winning? Or Actually, Lightning about an hour playing? and a half because of the speed of pace with the baseball game. So That's right. That's right. So this has been, and they got the win, and they, of course they're getting closer to clinching and all of that, and that's, a, that's the biggest thing, right? But A win, but, a win Saturday a, clinches a playoff berth. That's how. That's where they're at. Okay. Yeah. They, now they could do it if Florida and Buffalo. Buffalo will play tonight. Florida will play Saturday night. I think Buffalo will play Saturday night as well. If both of those lose one of those games, then they could clinch it too. But the, with a win Saturday, the Lightning can clinch. The magic number is two points. Yeah. With six games to play. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, going back even before the Boston game, like they've kind of kicked it into playoff mode in sort of the way they're playing, the structure mm-hmm. they're playing with even the confidence they're playing with. We talked about, you know, that game they lost 2-1, to one, but really derived a lot of confidence from the way they played. Um, and, you know, the Capitals are a very physical team and, 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 you know, definitely a tough team to play whenever you play them. And, it, and you know, everybody's trying to get those points, right, to get and, and secure their place in the playoffs. And so these games have taken on, Really, the last couple of weeks, uh, whether it was Carolina or Boston or whatever, taking on sort of a playoff field, to be honest with you, the intensity. Mm-hmm. And five on five, I thought the Lightning were as good as I've seen them. Okay. Um, and Anthony Sorelli, like, there's certain players that when I start seeing, like, come alive, when Anthony Sorelli comes alive, it just is different, man. <laughs> He's just, it, it just helps him so much. And of course, you had the big rig with a couple of goals, which you'd love to see him going hard to the net and cleaning mm-hmm. up a couple shots. Yeah. And just the way they went about scoring, you know, and I still think they could have shot a lot more. I still think they could have mm-hmm. possibly even scored more than four goals uh, or five goals. But I, I, I just, the way they played is the way you have to play in the postseason. Absolutely. I mean, look, well, look, and John Cooper let off his press conference with this. The last three games, they've given up three goals. Vasilevsky's That's pretty damn good. Vasilevsky's, it's going to win you a lot of yeah. games. <laughs> Vasilevsky's 2-1 in those starts, a 969 yeah. save percentage 
with a 1.0 goals against average. I mean, you're saying that'll work in the playoffs? Yeah, three goals and 96 shots against the Bruins, the Hurricanes, and the Capitals. Yeah, not slappies, by the way. I mean, these are really good teams that that have plenty to play. I mean, the Boston's clinched everything, right? But like, they have stuff to play for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, especially and, when they see the Bolts, they want to beat those guys. Absolutely, and, and Washington's still fighting for a playoff berth. They're uh, they're struggling and probably not going to make it, but they're still fighting for it. You know, this is the, the Lightning. Uh, you know, it's it, and you're right. It's the way they're playing. The commitment on the defensive end has been mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah, um, they're not making as many egregious turnovers no. and letting up th- so many odd man rushes, which is we were in that lo- the losing streak. I mean, that's what we kept talking about: is how many odd man rushes they're going to let up. Oh yeah, I mean, how yeah. many times are you going to leave Elliott and Vasilevsky out to dry? And, and and that's been cut down, particularly the last three games. And it started in Boston; they lost that game, but they lost they held Boston, the top scoring team in the league, to two goals. Yep, you'll take that every time. Now you absolutely scored one, yeah. unfortunately, but yeah, you know, and Carolina, Carolina is a tough and, game, and you yeah. won that four nothing. And then mm-hmm. now you come out against Washington, and and yeah, they were on a back to back, and they're struggling some, but you took care of business, and you you controlled that game. Well, what was interesting is in the Capitals play this way, right? There, but I mean, mm-hmm. that game had seventy three hits, and the Lightning had thirty seven. And here is this guy that is starting to splatter people everywhere, Tanner Janot. Mm-hmm. Had eight. He had. He eight. was. He, he was looking had, to hit people tonight. Ooh. Oh, was he? And he just barely missed a couple big hits. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And he was going after the big guys too. He wasn't like mm-hmm. trying to pick on the little dudes. He nope. was going after the toughest cats. Um. So, and and then you know Maroon, who's a physical player in his own right, getting a couple goals in in a gritty fashion. That's how you got to score in the playoffs, yeah. right? A lot of pucks on net. Follow it up, go into those dirty areas, get the heck knocked out of you, and see if you can't. Well, Pat talked about after the game. He's doing a much better job of getting to the net. He said he's been focusing on that and working on that, and he's doing a better job. And he's been rewarded with, what, three goals in the last three, four or five games, whatever it is. He's got Uh, six on the year. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you know. So he's come alive. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's just, he's, he looks better out there. He's in the right spots, which is the big part. Um, mm-hmm. Pierre Edward Belmar had a huge face-off win to set up Stamkos' goal at the end of the first. He I thought that was a great. huge goal. Belmar played really well. Yeah. They mentioned that on the telecast mm-hmm. that he wasn't, you know, maybe the name that you would pop in your mind after that game, but mm-hmm. he had a really good game. Yeah, I mean, they're and starting. You, you know, they've got six games left. Most likely they'll clinch a playoff berth by this weekend or mm-hmm. this weekend, if not next week. I mean, in order for the in order for the Lightning to miss the playoffs, they'd have to lose the next six games. Right, right, basically, yeah. And they could lose one in overtime shootout and still, mm-hmm. and that means that means Florida and, and Buffalo, one of those teams, have to basically go undefeated the rest of the way too. Right, that's not happening. I mean, so, they're they're all but clinched, and that right. that X is coming. Um, but you know, in this game, so it was a tight game. It's one to nothing, and then mm-hmm. Stamkos gets one at the buzzer at the end of the was it first period? I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that was just so off a of face off. That was so clutch, man. That was you see stuff like that and you're like, wow, these guys are still great. And it's gonna be about how healthy can they be, how well are they playing, and they're definitely they have that look now and they're about to clinch. And the sooner you clinch this, right? And I think they know it's inevitable, you can get some guys off their feet, right? You can you can mm-hmm. maybe, you know, give Vasilevsky a breath, right? He's not gonna want too much of it, but well, um, the good thing is the schedule is allowing that too. I mean, they're going to play Saturday it is. night. It is, and yeah. they're not going to play again until Wednesday. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, you know, also they're going to have three straight days without a game. Last time that happened had to have been January. <laughs> I don't think it happened in February. I know it didn't happen in March. I mean, it's been a grind, but in a way, mm-hmm. it's kind of like nice the way it's working out for them too. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Now they're they're seeing some breathing room, and you know they're about ready to clinch a playoff spot. So. Right. No, it was a it was a good performance, and it was a good day. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, especially if you're one of the few, and I'm sure there were more than a few, they were taking the doubleheader. It's phenomenal. Hey, speaking of that, and and just phenomenal, Connor McDavid, of course, is incredible, and he's having a fantastic season. Um, beating Kucherov for the most points since ninety five, ninety six, when Lemieux. I mean, McDavid's just incredible. He got his three hundredth goal tonight. Wow! And he's like the eleventh youngest player to ever get three hundred goals, but. Of say. active skaters, the fewest games to get to 300 goals, he's only third. Really? At 563. You know who's faster, who got to 300 faster than him? 300. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess you're going to say Tampa Bay Lightning player. Yes. All right. The easy one would be Stamkos. I'm yep. going to say. It's Stamkos. Who, yeah. Was Stamkos. Okay. Yeah. It's right. Ovechkin and Stamkos. But, okay. I mean, as, as great okay. as Connor McDavid is, and he's phenomenal, don't don't get me wrong, but it's amazing to think Stamkos got to 300 goals faster than McDavid did. Now, I McDavid mean, has a lot yeah. more assists to go along the way with that. but Right. And, you know, I mean, they're different types of players, but, you know, sometimes we forget just how good Stamkos is as a scorer. Right. And he missed so much time. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if he had not had as much injuries right. as he had throughout his career. You know, yeah. I just thought, it was, and, and you know, Stamkos was what almost seventy-two games faster than Sidney Crosby to three hundred goals. Yeah, he beat he beat McDavid a, by thirteen games. Here's a perspective for you. So, had he gotten a power play goal, um, Alex Ovechkin is mm-hmm. sitting at two hundred ninety-nine power play goals, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he's got a ton of goals against the Lightning. By the way, <laughs> in like ninety games, it's it's sick. How many goals? He's, well, when you have eight hundred and what? Yeah, twelve right. or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's you know one of the greatest of all time, and it's not even close. But still, can get it done, man. Still pretty good. We'll wrap it up for the week on this. The Buccaneers were a little bit busy towards the end of the week, anyway, and starting with the fact that they have a new kicker, and we had talked about you know how Todd Bowles wanted somebody that had a little more range, well, he's found them. Of course, you know, they cut Ryan Suck up and saved themselves about $3.75 million. They signed Chase McLaughlin. Uh, he had kicked for six NFL teams in his previous four years. But he's a pretty consistent kicker. I mean, he's, you know, 18, what was he, 17 to 21 in field goals. Uh, of 50 yards or more, and that's what they're looking for. They wanted they wanted range. That's 80.9%, 50 yards plus. Um, so they got their guy that's going to kick, you know, between, what, 80 and 85% of all field goals, but then have a reasonable chance with a big, strong leg of helping them from 50-plus, and that's what they couldn't get from Suckup. So McLaughlin comes over. He played for the Colts last year and did a pretty good job for them, and I was kind of surprised, um, you know, that he was able to get into free agency. Now, he, you know, again, it's another one of these essentially veteran minimum-type deals, you know, million dollars or so, um, 
you know, not a guy that's going to cost you a ton of money. So they save money. They get a, a, a more productive, um, big, big-legged guy um, to take over from Ryan Suckup. So, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good signing. They re-signed um, uh, Deidre Sanat, who, of course, you know, former USF nose tackle to a one-year deal. They're signing a million of these one-year deals because they can. And then the other big news that happened sort of over the last couple of days, and we may not have talked about it, I can't remember, I don't think we did, Scotty Miller goes to the Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. and he stays in the NFC South. Yep. And good for Scotty. Um, might end up being bad for the Bucks. I'll tell you, and this will this is the honest God's truth, and people might not realize this. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. Scotty lost the confidence of Tom Brady. It's as simple as that. I mean, in Tom Brady's Super Bowl year, halfway through the season, Scotty Miller was the leading receiver in terms of yards and catches. And of course, no bigger play that year than the touchdown at the end of the first half in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay. None. Um, and then something happened. Now, one of the things that happened was Antonio Brown showed up, so you got fewer reps and so on and so forth. And he got injured, and that didn't help him. But predominantly, he had been fighting his hands pretty much the last year and a half, two years. And the few throws that Tom made, he didn't come up with, just didn't trust him. So if Miller gets back to catching the ball, and he's never been like a natural, I mean, he's a smallish guy, and a lot of times those guys struggle. Um, If he gets back to catching the ball with his hands again and gets his confidence, I think he was – in this offense, it required him to play outside because, you know, Bruce Arians likes the Chris Godwin big body types on, in the slot so he can crack down and run game and all that kind of stuff. If you use Miller the way they would use, say, a Danny Amendola or Julian Edelman in the slot with two-way goes and such, I think he's going to be really, really good. I think he's going to be effective. And I don't know how Atlanta plans to use him, but – He's going to get to play in the NFC South, and if he wants revenge, he's going to have his opportunity. Um, but I thought it was a pretty solid signing mm-hmm. for the Atlanta Falcons, and, and the Bucks, frankly, had no interest in bringing him back yep. for whatever reason. You know, a different different offense, different. Um, you know, obviously they they went and got receivers a year ago, so they're they're happy with what they have. But um, but yeah, Scotty Miller moving on, and and I will still say to this day, Rondy Barber's ninety two yard interception return against the Eagles. Scotty Miller's touchdown at the end of the first half in the NFC Championship game, the two signature plays in championships games that got them to the Super Bowl where it was a cakewalk in both games, right? The, the tougher game was the championship, both on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. I mean, you know, you generally have a signature moment somewhere, and that those turn the tide both ways. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And one, other, not... one other Bucks player they lost, Keanu Neal, went to the Steelers. Yeah, saw that. And it was shame, you know, Kano's another guy that got hurt in preseason. Um, kind of a kind of a hybrid guy. He's kind of a linebacker, but a strong safety. Um, not a ton of range, not a ton of ball skills, but a good player and a guy that I think every team needs. And I could see him fitting in with what – look, if Mike Tomlin, who I always thought was the greatest defensive back coach I'd have been around, now one of, obviously a Hall of Fame head coach, if he puts him in the right spots in Pittsburgh, and I think he will, look out. Um, cause Keanu Neal it has a lot of football in him. Uh, he's got to stay healthy and that usually doesn't happen as you get older and, and less, you get less productive, but, uh, they, you know, the Bucks have a needed safety now. They just do. And I'd be really surprised if they don't come out of this draft with one. And I don't know if it'd be their first pick or their second or third. I don't know, but they're going to have to address the position because they just simply don't have enough depth. And, you know, there's still a chance that they resign Logan Ryan on a one year deal. There's still some free agencies, free agents out there of their own that could come back. 
you know, guys like Akeem Spence or yeah, Akeem uh, Hicks, not Spence, Akeem Hicks is another one that they've talked about bringing back under the right amount of money. Maybe William Golston, that kind of thing. So they're not done with their own free agents, but they did lose a couple. All right, should be an interesting weekend of college basketball. We'll have the championship game Monday night. We'll get you ready for that on Monday's podcast, as well as the Rays wrapping up their first series at home against the Tigers. And more lightning talk, I'm sure, as uh, they continue on towards clinching a playoff spot, which I'm, I'm quite confident by the time we speak next, that would have been the case. And hopefully they're, uh, they're on their way back to the postseason. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burst and Gumbrick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.